The Koi Gig Pod has made a new signing. Your goalkeeping coach is your god. Emma Byrne is joining Kathleen and Karen this season. Keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Now then, you're very welcome along. Sunday Papers coming up later on in the show in the company of Bernard Jackman and Dion Fanning. That will be at the slightly later time of half past four. In the absence of a Premier League doubleheader, Golf Weekly will stage another takeover. Reflections to come on wins for Shane Larry and Podrick Harrington last Sunday as the live golf disruption continues apace. And there is live commentary of one Premier League game as well. Nathan Murphy, Brian Kerr will be calling Everton against West Ham. 53106 is the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Joe Malloy here in studio. Anne-Marie Donnan here as well. Hello. Hi, Joe. And Arthur O'Dee is uh, producing very ably alongside us. Hello, sir. How are you, Joe? Yeah, very well. So, uh, paper review with Dion Fanning and Bernard Jackman is uh, up and uh, ready to watch very shortly on our social channels. Half past four, we'll put that out on the radio. Uh, both very good, I would have said. Uh, Arthur, really oh, good class. Yeah. Class, like yeah, yeah. It's hard to kind of you don't. It's it's always a very interesting slot. I found even just from before I was ever here, it was always something I found really interesting. But just sometimes, especially I find recently where we've more and more having people back in studio, and it's just three people kind of having a chat, and it's it is easier. I mean, it's more than a chat, but it's it, it becomes a whole different thing. I think it takes on a whole other kind of life. Three people having a chat. How dare you? How dare you if that's what you think it is? Hours of production preparation go into that ad chat. A lot of preparation. It's like when you meet someone and they say, oh, your job's great. You just go and talk talk garbage about sport on the radio. They say garbage. That's all we do. Well, they use a different uh, phrase, but we're on afternoon radio. so. So it's a higher standard this afternoon than what you'd overhear in the pub. Well, I hope so. I hope so. So Bernard Jackman, Dion Fanning coming your way half past four. That will be after our first Premier League game of the afternoon, which is Everton against West Ham. Obviously, uh, curtailed today. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we would have been saying Chelsea against Liverpool coming your way. Yeah. You know what else today is, Arthur? Go on. The third Sunday of September. Once upon oh, a time. Okay. Okay. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Now it's just the third Sunday of September. Oh, because I did see it was on Twitter this morning. It's It's on this day. It, 2011 it was the Cluxton the, the kick that was up on Twitter again this yeah. morning yeah um, yeah god that's that's very difficult to imagine now just how far that's, that seems like it's like that season that seems like, seems like last a year. lifetime ago yeah. Yeah. yeah in hindsight maybe it was a bit dragged on <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> there was a bit of chaff to get rid of there yeah. so it's 10 years since Donny Gold's win yeah 2012 against Mayo yeah yeah Michael Murphy's goal I remember when you're throwing back, I won't necessarily name the hotel, but working at that time in the hotel where the Donegal team came that night. In, du- in Dublin. In Dublin. Yeah. I mean, uh, they were virtually, it felt like, unbeatable that year, Donegal. Yeah. In, tw- in 12. Just a uh, perfect blend of this defensive system people couldn't figure out, but then the brilliant attacking, running from yeah. deep as well, and they were fit, and McGuinness, you know, just had them primed, and... I mean, the start of that final where Murphy scores the goal. Very, Inside very the first few moments. Yeah, it was kind of laid down a marker for what's to come. Yeah, it's very ominous. Uh, so there we are, 18th of September. Uh, let's press on then. Brian Kerr is going to chat to us uh, pre-game. Quarter past two, kick off slightly later than uh, usual in the Premier League today. Everton against West Ham. It's not the only game today. 
No, the second half has just gotten underway at the Brentford Community Stadium where Arsenal lead Brentford two goals to nil. William Saliba scoring the opener in the 17th minute before Gabriel Jesus doubled their lead just 11 minutes later. A win here for Mikel Arteta's side would see them go back up to the top of the Premier League table. So 2-0 there, 48 minutes on the clock. Elsewhere at a quarter past two, it's 17th versus 18th. That's as Everton host West Ham and of course their former manager David Moyes. Both sides have gotten off to fairly poor starts this season, just four points each from six games. West Ham have won twice in the Europa Conference League since Lampard's side last played. Moyes says he has noticed an improved momentum to them, but that they need to back this up with domestic wins. I think from the players' point of view, we're gaining in confidence. We're, we feel as if we're, we're beginning to get, get the new players a little bit more integrated and getting used to us. So overall, you know, we need the points, so the points are always which the thing that you get judged on. But I think our performances are, are improving at this present time. The players are, are more resilient with the way they, they go about their work. You know, you try to improve your squad, which means that you can chop and change the players a little bit more as well. So I'm hoping that... Uh, that through time and experience that we're getting a little bit better with it. It's still bringing in eight or nine players and trying to bed them in quite quickly is not an easy thing to do. And now and again, one or two of them will hit the ground running and, you, and we've, we've got that situation. There'll be now again one or two who, who are not quite. But uh, I think the players we've brought in will make a big difference and it just needs a little bit of time. But uh, we need to try and get the points on the board in the Premier League. We need to start getting results. Yeah, two sides uh, struggling, it's fair to say. Uh, six games played apiece, Everton in 17th, West Ham in 18th, both with four points from possible 18th. So it hasn't been uh, good, to say the least. Uh, the front page of the paper, uh, lots of pictures of two things. Nathan Collins flying through the air. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Come, okay. I, the way we're talking... This has been presented as if he drove his studs into him. He was in the air and it was like the outside of his foot, which caught Grealish a bit. It was just a bit silly, though. Yeah, it was just reckless from... Where they, like, where they, where, I, I wasn't watching the match yesterday, so I was kind of watching it back and kind of had an idea of where it fell. Mm-hmm. I think it comes after the Haaland goal, doesn't it? So yeah. yeah. And you're just... Because you'd kind of seen the pictures and then you're like, oh God, over here. It's like, what are you doing? Why even take that chance? Yeah, <laughs> That's it. But he didn't drive his studs into him the way... He, it first uh, looked or was presented. Probably still a red card, I would think. And then the other picture on the front pages. So it's either Nathan Collins or it is Son scoring mm. the hat-trick in 13 minutes. Yeah, came off the bench as well to do it. Uh, quite something, wasn't it? Yeah. After so much had been said about his form and then the introduction of Richarlison into the team and yeah. people wondering, would Son be getting a little bit nervous about his starting place? And then Conte did drop him and he came off the bench to do that. And you could see how much the first goal meant to him. They all went over and embraced him for quite a long number of to- moments. But then he kind of tore Leicester apart oh. for the next two goals. Yeah. Son's one of those players, might sound a bit cringe, but he makes you smile, doesn't he? Totally. He's, yeah, he makes you happy. <laughs> he, I'd love um, him to be in the side I follow. Like, he's just oh, such a worker, but then has these moments of, like, beauty as well. Great yeah. player. So much quality. That leaves Leicester, bottom of the table, seven games played, one point. They're chronic. They didn't look that bad coming up to half time and at the start no. of the second half. Particularly those 10 minutes coming up to half time, they bossed the game with James Madison and that brilliant strike. But then it did fall oh, asunder. Sick. And I know defensively they're just a shambles. <laughs> so I saw someone tweet 
conceding um, uh, or giving Leicester or con- uh, getting a free uh, corner against Leicester is basically a penalty now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is kind of true. Mm. Like they are just defensively a shambles and I don't know how Rodgers hasn't drilled into them. Do not give away corners yeah. or free kicks kind of in that third because they just their record defending them is atrocious. I guess it's, it's hard not to give away a corner. I mean, they just kind of happened the thrust of a game, but um, the record's bizarre. It doesn't make sense. I mean, for one of the goals, it wasn't the reason I think the goal happened, but there were just two Leicester players marking each other at the front post. Yeah. yeah. It's genuinely odd to see it at that level. And then, you know, some of the Spurs goals were just so easy. I mean, like the Leinster back four or three or whatever they're playing at the moment was all over the shop. It feels like Rogers has long checked out. Yeah. So you wonder what's going on in training. Like these are bread and butter set pieces that he, should be better. Well, I did think a few weeks ago he was going for the old Scott Parker. Get me out of here interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. Jay, well. You know, right, I, I've been screwed by the owners here. Oh, kind, he, kind of a post match. He, he has openly like, yeah, yeah put that message they across. They won't fire me. They won't get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> what do I have to say about you guys to get out of here? Uh, but he like so defensively a mess, and then admittedly Madison is very good. But even yesterday, Dewsbury Hall, Barnes, Daka. Yeah, yeah. By Premier League standards, it's not terrifying anyone either. No. Is it? So um, very grim. Their worst start to a Premier League season. Gary Lineker was saying last night since nineteen eighty three. They must have shipped some amount of goals as well. That's like because they lost in the lose by five two to Brighton as well. I think it's twenty something goals. Twenty two. Twenty two goals. So that's the most goals in a seven game period in Premier League history is it? to concede. Wow. When a team has lost 9-0 I know. in the same season. Bournemouth's like, looking so much better health than them. You could be looking at 10 million quid to get Rodgers out of there. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. It's obviously whatever is in that contract, the payout clause. And we know the owners are seriously struggling because their prime business is duty free. And obviously right. there's been no flights okay. for the last two years. But, and I think... You know the Leicester owner who was an incredible businessman? Oh, his name escapes me. The guy who died tragically and yeah. then his son took over. Yeah. It feels like his son isn't as good a businessman. <laughs> Do you get that vibe? I mean, it's, so whatever's I mean, going on in that boardroom. Do you I not agree with me? I don't, couldn't say it conclusively. <laughs> but, no, but it's often the way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unlikely you that get business. genius after the other. Like, remember the year that Leicester won the title and there was that brilliant bond and relationship between owners and the fans it feels like that is long gone yeah I guess the FA Cup final celebration suggested a real togetherness so it's kind of surprising how badly it's fallen so quickly and and so even if they go to the trouble of get uh, getting rid of Rodgers they still haven't bought anyone so I mean who's who's coming in and feeling great about the squad so it's um it's a real mess but anyway that was uh yesterday so songs all over the front pages as well as uh Nathan Collins' paper review is coming your way half past four. Dion Fanning and Bernard Jackman. It is the opening weekend of the WSL as well. Yes, the opening weekend of the WSL continues today and champions Chelsea begin the defence of their title with a trip to newly promoted Liverpool. That's the evening game. Elsewhere, Manchester City are away to Aston Villa. It's just approaching half-time and it's Villa who lead two goals to nil in that one. At three o'clock, Leicester City host Tottenham and West Ham take on Everton. In Scotland then, Celtic will be looking to restore their five-point lead at the top of 
the table today, but it doesn't look like they're going to do so. They trail St. Mirren 2 0 with 54 minutes on the clock. Elsewhere, Hearts meet Motherwell. That's in the only other game of the day that kicks off at three. Uh, just uh, by the way, to mark your card, we do touch on it, but we don't have much time on the paper review later. There's a really fantastic interview Emma Hayes has done with uh, the always brilliant Donald McRae in The Observer today. And uh, she's talking about her 10 years at Chelsea. She is you know, the best manager in the league and has made brilliant contributions on uh, punditry as well, like for the World Cup or for the Euros for ITV. She's uh, stolen the show on a few occasions, but um, it's a very personal interview and it would stop you in your tracks. Just... Uh, conscious this could be triggering for uh, people this uh, concerns issues around pregnancy so if you want to switch off the radio for a minute or two then by all means I'm conscious of how common it is out there obviously but um, uh, Don McRae writes for instance the second half of her career at Chelsea coincided with the arrival of her son Harry born only half an hour before Hayes gave birth to his twin brother Albie who had died inside her after 28 weeks and now it feels as if she's been released from four years of hidden trauma And this is just um, of late, really, that she's talking about this. And uh, she was um, saying she went back to work after just eight weeks because, you know, in in that career, she was thinking, well, what if the interim manager comes in and does really well? And Chelsea say, oh, we're we're fine, you know. And so she was saying just, uh, you know, like I said, an interview which would stop you in your tracks. So McRae writes, uh, Hayes is the best manager in the WSL and as the new season begins, she hopes to steer Chelsea to a fourth successive title. And Hayes says, I'm well again. I feel the best I've felt since before I gave birth because the last four years I haven't been right. When I knew I was only going to deliver one baby, I hadn't actually contemplated I still had to deliver two. I just needed to get Harry into the world healthy. But I realise now why women take a year off work after childbirth because I didn't prepare for the significant hormonal, physical, emotional challenge. My biggest regret was coming back to work after eight weeks. And uh, she says, that moment will never leave me. I've given birth. I feel sad for Harry, who doesn't have a brother. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt now, but I accept it. And I will still have a cry about it every birthday, every Christmas. That's normal. But for those first four years, I was just trying to survive. I felt exhausted. But I woke up when Harry turned four this May. And that was the first time I thought, I'm back, I'm back. So it's an amazing interview. And, you know, to do what she's done in the four years while carrying that is really striking. So um, pages eight and nine of The Observer. And it's online as well. So it's it's really well worth your time. It's staggering, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, yeah. Not something you're reading in the sports pages very often for obvious reasons. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. Emma Hayes there in The Observer. More football or are we moving on? Uh, yeah, there's football here at home. Two semi-final spots are up for grabs in the FAI Cup later on. The league's top two meet at the Brandywell. Derry City hosts Shamrock Rovers. That's at five o'clock. Before that, there's a Dublin derby at Talca Park. Shelburne entertain Bohemians. That kicks off shortly at two o'clock. The winner of those games will join Watford and Treaty United in the final four. So uh, DP World Tour, um, McElroy, as seems to be the case almost every week of the year, went into this final round today at the Marco Simone course, the Ryder Cup course for next year, uh, poised to strike. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick was ahead of him 
Uh, McIlroy's gone backwards though, plus one through six. Yeah, he's one over through six holes today, Joe. That leaves him eight under for the tournament and 12 or four shots off the lead that is held currently by Scotland's Robert McIntyre on 12 under par. He is one clear of the chasing pack. Matt Fitzpatrick has also slipped back a little bit. He is 10 under now. So Rory with work to do if he wants to win this. Yeah. The whitest man in sport, Rob McIntyre. Spends his whole life playing in the sun, year in, year out. and uh, Golf is relentless. Yeah. It's really, really relentless. It's full on. Um, I'd say McElroy's due a bit of a break now because he's been uh, going on the spin for a couple of weeks. So How do they, like, the fact, how does it, like, what's, how does their schedule work? Does, does it, like their base, like is the notion of a base kind of farcical or... As in where they live? Yeah, like how do they, because oh, you can't no, keep going back and back and back. Oh, they do, yeah. All right. Okay. Private air travel is for the top guys. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, but even Lowry and McElroy are based in Florida, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. And have become very close, actually, in the last couple of years, hanging out together a good bit out there. Uh, so, it, it, like, it's not as relentless as you would think. I mean, the top guys just would, aren't even the middle, middle tier um, players as well, once they're not in danger of losing their card, they just pick their schedule themselves. So, some of the, like, Woods and his pomp would play very few events right. and they all have the, I mean, one of the reasons some of the, like live golf, if they say you're playing here, you're playing th- when they say, whereas these guys are all like sole traders and they decide, I like that course, I'll play that course. Then I might take a three week break and then I might play those two events and then I'll play a major and then another two, three weeks off. So oh, it's pretty good. What about for the more jobbing pros then? Like, I suppose if they're worried about keeping their card, they may have to play more to accumulate the required number of points. Whereas if you win an event, for instance, you've an exemption for two years and you, you know, you're, you're in no danger of losing your card or if you're finishing high up in events, then you don't need to necessarily slog. But if you were, if you're not doing well and you're finishing 50 at 60 at weeks and missing cuts the other week, you might feel, God, I really got to hit the road and keep playing and keep playing and keep playing. But then that catches up with you as well. Yeah. And there's an argument, well, should I rest for th- two weeks and come back fresh and maybe finish higher up and get more points? So, they're all the intricacies. But um, yeah, it's a wraparound season now. So it's there's events every week. The new season on the PGA Tour has started, even though it's we're still in 2022. <laughs> and full it's on. just brutal. Well, I mean, like, they don't get the violin out either. No, there, but I still, <laughs> think, I still think there's probably a degree of that. We're, and it goes back, funny enough, to that Rogers point as well. Like, like I, I just, like if he gets the sack, say. Yeah. And obviously he's going to make a fortune and he'll be fine. He doesn't need to work for a considerable amount of time if he doesn't want to. But it must be so dispiriting and so disheartening and so, like it's still your profession and it's still sure. your job and I, I can't, I can't, I suppose, like I know it's sport and that's just what they're going to wire differently but God, the, the thought of being like a golfer, say as you're saying, in that 50 or lower bracket of a competition mm. and just kind of, there's that great, even I know it came up a lot in the week, there's a great David Foster Wallace uh Essay, I forget the guy's name, a tennis player who's like 70th in the world or something, which is, you know, essentially nothing for casual kind of fans. But like, imagine being the 70th best anything in the world. Mm. Like, it's a huge, huge level of talent. And for those guys as well. But I just, I imagine, I imagine it must be just such a slog and such a kind of a, look, they're doing what they love on the one hand, but at the same hand, it's a lot of time on your own. (laughs) A lot of time. Yeah, that's true. Just plugging away in the hope of what, like. They say the Irish guys on the European tour were very good about understanding the dangers of being alone in your hotel room. And so it was like, we're meeting for dinner at seven. Okay. B 
be there. And uh, okay. I heard Paul McGinley interviewed recently and he, he was going through a patch and he wasn't playing well. And he must have said to Des Smith or one of the um, the older guys on the European tour, oh, I'm not playing, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get room service tonight. I don't fancy it. And the line was, be down at seven o'clock. You're not alone in your hotel room. That's the rule. And you go out and have a few laughs and you're fresher the next day. Yeah, so. more so than other nationalities. Um, that's a good question. I'm not too sure, actually. I know the Irish guys definitely stuck together and the European tour is more collegiate than the US tour where they're very much their entourage and they yeah. retreat away from each other. I, t- I, I take your point on Rogers. I feel for the lower tier managers, it's a yeah. desperately bad day. Do you not think, though, Brennan Rogers goes home and thinks just made 10 million dollars oh, 10 million quid yeah you know? look he's fine and I think it probably becomes more of just a almost a professional um, a professional conundrum in terms of where do I go next what, yeah, yeah exactly. just What's where do I go next like? yeah. because I, he all you know he's, I don't know if he's missed the chance but he certainly has I think and this has definitely come up in the last few weeks he definitely was at that point where Graham Potter just and he's taken that leap he's yeah, like he, I'm going to take that chance it would have had like Arsenal territory Arsenal 100%. yeah yeah. I don't know if you get that back and not, like he's definitely got something about him but it, it kind of well he had to go to Celtic and rebuild yeah. and then do his Leicester thing so now maybe he's facing I think he's still he might get a similar stature job to Leicester and then yeah. that next job will be very important for him I would think and if he does that very well then I think he's right back in the oh maybe he could do an Arsenal job another Premier League job yeah Villa Bournemouth? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would think that's that's kind of the level, but who knows. Um, sorry, clock is getting against us. That was the men's golf. Yeah, and there is women's golf on as well at the moment. A three-way tie for the lead at the LPGA's Portland Classic. Andrea Lee, Akaya Fiore and Lilia Vu will all tee off from 13 under par at a quarter past six Irish time this evening. Leona Maguire unfortunately didn't make the cut on four over after Friday. She will be at the KPMG Women's Open at Dromoland this coming week. The first time that it's been held here since 2012. Yeah, we'll be right across that uh, tournament Women's Golf and OTB is in association with KPMG, proudly supporting women in sport. Andy Murray's been talking. He has, and he's hoping he will get a final chance to play with Roger Federer at the Labour Cup next week. Federer will make the last appearance of his professional career at the Ryder Cup style event that he invented, which pits Europe against the rest of the world. And it's at the O2 Arena in London. Federer, Murray and Rafa Nadal, as well as Novak Djokovic, are all part of the European team in what will now pretty much become a celebration of his career. Three-time Grand Slam winner Murray says he perhaps didn't realise just how great Federer was while he was playing against him. He was an amazing player. I was lucky to get to compete against him in some of the biggest matches, um, in the biggest tournaments, on the biggest stages in our sport. And yeah, like at the time I probably didn't appreciate it as much, but now like looking back, it's, you know, pretty amazing. It's incredible what he's he achieved and you know, also the what what Rafa and Novak have, have done as well. Um and yeah, it's a sad, sad day um for the for the sport again. Um but I mean yeah, unbelievable career and yeah, I mean he the longevity that, that he's had and, you know, what he did and I think it was I can't remember I think it was 2018 Australian Open I could be wrong when he came back from the you know from the knee surgery and stuff was you know was incredible and um, you know the way that he he played the game conducted himself and all of those things 
I think all of the players respected him for that. Who has the television rights for the Labour Cup? Because oh, they are buzzing. <laughs> we were going to be playing. We were looking into going to it. Oh, cool. And before this, like months ago, when the tickets came on sale. Is in off the ball or you and people in your world? Oh, me and people in my <laughs> Sorry, world. Sorry. No, no, no. Because <laughs> I, uh, I was like, I didn't hear about this, were we? <laughs> no, it was so extortionate, the price. It was oh, like, it was no. unworkable. It was like, well, I can't. There's no way we could do and that. And that's before. That was before. I'm thinking now. It's in a sound investment. I looked into Wimbledon this year and f- anticipated it would be expensive. Yeah. And then was but blown away by how expensive it is. Now, you can obviously take the chance on queuing up for the lottery tickets. That is the only feasible way, I think, financially for most people to do it. Because if you want to guarantee yourself a ticket for Centre Court Wimbledon, the prices are insane. But Wimbledon, you can just queue and then you can get into the enclosure. You can go around to the small courts, which you can see brilliant matches. And then you can get the resale tickets in the evening. Yeah. Wimbledon's not that difficult. Well, I, I was saying if you want to be if certain. If you want to stroll into Centre Court, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> to be fair, if, 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 you're with, if you're with, say, people of a certain age or if you're travelling yeah, from a, a, a distance, it's yeah. different to like someone from London saying, oh, I'll pitch up and see how I go. Like if you're taking the trouble to fly in for a day or two. You are guaranteed, though, if you join that queue in the morning that you will get in. Mm. But then imagine just standing outside Centre Court all day. But you'll get a resale ticket in the evening. I've done it. Guaranteed. Yeah, that didn't convince me the way you said it. <laughs> well, I did. Oh, well then. So that one-off occasion but you it's, did. It's, it's actually one of the more sports, sporting occasions that is quite open. Like, it's not that difficult. Do you work for Wimbledon? No. <laughs> I, I Wimbledon's extremely exclusive. I, I know the queuing definitely is, is a way to get in. But yeah. I, so if you queue for six, seven, eight hours, you get into the enclosure. So you're there at seven in the morning. You're in one, two, three o'clock. Yeah. Then you go around on the smaller courts. You can see great matches. Well, I, I saw that, City Pass. I think if you travel over on one you, of those smaller you would courses. want to go to We can't court. do everything in style, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> then in the evening, you get a resale ticket on centre court or court one or two. Not that difficult. Mm, I don't like know. much you, more feasible than imagine rocking up, queuing for a Champions League final and be like, I'm just going to get in that way. Oh, he's not looking to go to the final. Okay, maybe not the final. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't the final I went to, but you know what I mean. I'll take a round two match. You know, I guess if you're going, you would like to see one of the household names ideally on centre court or court one and <laughs> to know that you're going to. I mean, from your experience at the Pro-Am earlier this year, that's not going to be good enough any longer, I suppose. You've yeah. grown accustomed to but it's one in of the, the presence of genius. It's one of, it's possibly one of the only sporting events that it's literally open to the public. No, I get yeah, that. I get that. No, I knew all that. about it. But I'm yeah. just saying, yeah, me and people were saying, well, let's, it's special occasion. Let's pick yeah. a date and fly I don't know in. how, I yeah. think you have to be a member to be just able to completely openly purchase them, don't you? Uh, well, where we were looking, certain travel companies had obviously okay, got yeah. a set number of tickets and were priced accordingly. It was quite it was shocking. I can't remember the exact amount, but I thought, ah, no. <laughs> that for every match or just one day. Every match. Uh, but yeah, look, if you're of a certain age, you should definitely fly over, queue up and go in. Yeah. Hanging and hours queuing. Yeah. We shouldn't be wrecked by the time you're in there and just kind of weary. Um, it was quite hot. It was. It was quite. There was quite an intense heat, which was tiring. But I, was, I suppose there's an end goal, you know. Yeah, I was. And there. then as the hours pass, you're thinking, "Oh, I'm over halfway. Might as well stay." And then it's like I've only two hours left. Yeah, this is queuing up to see the Queen in state levels of uh, queuing. I was there in 2012 at the Olympics. 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, it, it is quite something to... Like, so I, I take your point about you don't have to be in centre court to enjoy it because it is the most beautiful place to walk around. It's, it's oh, gorgeous. Yeah. And the way you can just slip into matches and see great matches is one of the best things about it. Mm. And the it's bizarre as well. You can be just walking around and there's players on the tour now, not... Serena Williams or sure. Roger Federer but they're just walking towards you and the openness of it mm. is quite striking yeah no, that's all, that's all true but yeah beautiful as well in a lovely part of London too mm. we are pretty much done so we'll take a very short break Anne-Marie thanks very much no worries Arthur thank you uh, both back across the course of the afternoon again the Sunday paper review coming your way half past four we have Dion Fanning and Bernard Jackman uh, on the way that's already recorded and uh, available on our social channels and we have a Premier League commentary on the way next Brian Kerr with us in just a moment